For too long, the fertility market has been bewildering, overwhelming, and frankly, I think has downright ignored the needs and difficult experiences of the people they're supposed to be serving. Ovum has made it their mission to change this completely. Now, I am extremely choosy about who I promote on this podcast because I'm very protective of my listeners and audience, which is why you've probably only ever heard one spoken ad like this before. So it's with complete confidence, excitement and pride that I can share this amazing company with you. Ovum care about you, truly. From creating products to support conception and fertility that are designed by doctors and backed by the latest science without cutting any corners, from adding access to meditations I've personally written and recorded inside their pregnancy test boxes, Ovum is founded by individuals who've navigated infertility themselves. I really couldn't be more proud to partner with them and tell you about them. Ovum is driven by the belief that everyone who is trying to conceive deserves better, and I am 100% behind this ethos. So head over to startwithovum.com and use code LIFERAFT10 for 10% off their tests and supplements. Hello and welcome back to episode five of the TTC Life Raft podcast. It's the middle of fertility week here in the UK and it's been really amazing to see so many people working really hard to raise awareness and get fertility out into the wider world. And part of being able to get through a fertility struggle is actually not just about us building our life rafts and finding our own way through it but it's about the wider world understanding acknowledging validating and supporting us and that means actually learning and educating themselves more about what it means to go through this and on the back of that I'm going to share an interview I did with LBC Radio who asked me to talk after I published my blog around ways to cope with the royal baby news I shared that I was going to do it and then I didn't share any else so I actually thought this was probably the best place to share that audio and here it is. This week we heard the news that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Harry and Meghan were expecting their first child. To some people who struggle to conceive or have lost babies it was actually a very difficult day as the announcement was made on the last day of Global Baby Loss Awareness Week. Alice Rose supports people going through fertility problems. She is a blogger at thisisalicerose.com and she has written about this subject, about the impact, hearing the news that as others are expecting a baby when you yourself have lost or can't have children. Very good evening to you. Hi. Um, tell, us, tell us why you wrote the piece that you wrote and particularly the timing of it, if you would. I, I heard the... Um, first of all, the first thing to say is that I heard the lovely news um, that Harry and Meghan are expecting a baby. Um, and having heard that news, I then sort of thought, I think a lot of people are going to find that difficult um, because pregnancy announcements when you're going through a fertility struggle um, can be really profoundly hard to process mm. um, for a number of reasons and you really you can't really overestimate actually the impact that it can have on you and when you um, say a fertility struggle just just spell that out for me what, what kinds of things are we talking about 
It quite, yeah, it sort of sums up quite a lot of things, really. And it's it's really the, the shared experience of not being able to get pregnant or bring home a healthy baby. Um, and that can come about in any number of ways. And it might be through lots of failed rounds of fertility treatment, whether that's, um, you know, IVF or other treatment. Or it can be multiple losses or it can be actually just not being able to conceive at all. Um, and of course, as you say, anyone who is bumping up against news of somebody else becoming pregnant, having gone through an experience like this, and particularly at the worst end of it, losing a child um, during pregnancy, mm-hmm. is always going to find it difficult. But in this particular instance, what a lot of people might not know is the specific timing of um, the, the Duke and Duchess's announcement. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the reason why I wrote this blog was because I knew that this would be a particularly hard day. Um, The day was actually uh, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Day, and it was the culmination of a whole week of uh, conversation and discussion and support to help people who have been through the experience of baby loss um, try to honour their lost children. Um, So this entire week, Baby Loss Awareness Week, culminated with this day uh, it's a globally recognized international day and people join across the world to light Mm. candles at 7 p.m and you know share this across social media Um, and I think I think the problem really is for me was that either you know the 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 PR team didn't know about Mm. this day and if they didn't that's a problem in itself and should, you know, just says to me that so much more awareness needs to be raised if they didn't know about it. Um, and if they did know about it and didn't think that it would mm. really be a sort of contraindication, um, then of course that is a huge problem. And do as you well. think it made so, people's, um, or what are already experienced a very difficult time, do you think it made it worse for them? I received so many messages and comments and um, from people who just said to me thank you for validating my feelings and you know I was feeling kind of I had a lot of comments saying I felt really silly for feeling really upset this morning and crying my eyes Mm. out and you know I felt really you know people were feeling stupid because do do people blame them I mean do people blame the whoever's around making the decision to announce it that day do they think that was so insensitive as to be worthy of scorn or is it just unfortunate I think it was just I mean, I think the overriding feeling for people who have to kind of really be bombarded by news on such a day um, was just a sort of just sadness, really. Um, I'm not sure about scorn or blame. I, I just think people were just going, God, really? Mm. <laughs> Today, do I have to go through this, you know, on this on this day? Um, and, you know, this is, I think this is why the, the blog that I wrote got so much um, response and so much attention. Mm. Um, because actually, I, I, I was trying to offer, you know, some helpful ways to kind of cope with that kind of thing. And it, it's any announcement, really, um, <clears throat> any pregnancy announcement, um, but of course, because it was all over the media, um, that's that is particularly difficult um, for for people. And in, on an immensely difficult day, as you say. Um, and, and what were people coming to you saying about the kind of things they were feeling? And also, what what response did you offer them about how to deal with it? Um, I had so many messages. I mean, one of them said, "This is just what I needed today. I heard first thing this morning, and my initial my initial reaction was one of dread." reading this post made me feel less alone and less guilty for feeling that way. So that's, that's one um, message. Another one said, I can't tell you how much your post means. I'm sad at not being able to get pregnant, but I'm also sad that this is my reaction to what is lovely news. Um, 
and another one said, I cried my eyes out this morning having this group, um, as in, you know, the, the sort of group of people that follow me, is sanity saving. I was told I was mean and to go and take a nap by a friend today when I said how upset I was. And I think it's that lack of understanding, you know, um, and, the, you know, the ways that I really help or try to help people to cope with this is, um, at first of all, to just acknowledge those feelings and allow them to be there and you know, if you do feel anything which you would rather not admit to feeling like anger or jealousy or bitterness, you know, actually the best thing to do is, is kind of let yourself feel that um, and acknowledge it. And and then I also offer ways to kind of process those feelings and um, kind of come back into yourself and really go, right, what's my journey? What's happening with me today? How can I help myself process this? Alice Rose, the blogger at thisisalicerose.com, giving her reaction to what was, I think it's fair to say, an ill-judged, perhaps, timing of the announcement of that news about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. I'm really grateful to LBC for giving me that time. I'm really grateful to them for understanding what a huge issue that was. And I really hope that I got the point across in the way that I wanted to. This week, we are trying to crash through some barriers and break down stigmas and normalise conversations and a really huge taboo around fertility is weight and fat and thin and food and what does it mean? So I am absolutely thrilled that Nicholas Salmon who is a fat positive fertility coach as well as acupuncturist and the author of Nurture Fertility Journal is here to talk to me today on the podcast and she has just launched an amazing campaign with the hashtag Fat Fertility Matters which is doing some amazing work to try and break down some stigmas and just educate people around the issue of weight and fertility. So here she is. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming. We're just sitting here in my kitchen um, having, uh, Nicola's having a lovely herbal tea and being very healthy and I'm having my second coffee (laughs) of the day, (laughs) which is entirely not what you're supposed to be doing while you're trying to conceive, I don't think. Um, We're all grown-ups, right? I think sometimes it's just necessary, isn't it? We've got life to do, right? Exactly. And that's what we've just been speaking about is actually I have been having a really stressful time lately and it's actually really nice speaking to you, Nicola, because you've walked in and you're so calm and you've got this lovely grounded feel about you and it's actually very nice for me to have you (laughs) in my house this morning because I'm having one of those days of just 3,000 things to do and actually... Why don't we talk about that first of all, actually? How, mm. what, what can we do when we are feeling really stressed? What's... So I think stress is one of those things that we tend to make up a lot in our head. We've got all this shoulds, there's all these things that we should do. We should do this, we should do that, we should do this. And so many of that we don't actually need to do to make ourselves happy. It's all about other people. So it's like, we should keep the house tidy because our mother-in-law is coming around next week or stay late or... You know, all these things are all about other people's expectations, other people's opinions of us. And actually, we could take a lot of that stuff away if we just maybe cared a bit less about what other people thought. We're not so worried about being a good girl, being everything perfect. So many of our stresses are actually like pre-stresses. So they're not even things that are happening in the now. They're things that we're worried about happening in the future. And 
Our brain doesn't know the difference. Our brain doesn't know the difference between A, like a meeting at work or being eaten by a tiger. So it's still that same stress response in our body. But it also doesn't know the difference between that meeting happening now and that meeting happening in three days. So when you're worrying about it and thinking about it, your brain thinks it's happening right now. So it's still that same stress response. So we're in this chronic stressed out state mm. when we can really take so much of that away and let you know future Nicola and future Alice worry about that stuff because right now we can just focus on the stuff around us and what we need to do to look after ourselves there's so much I want to speak (laughs) about right now but you've just given me like so many things to um respond to just in that one answer and I think you're so right there's something that you said about we don't have to be the good girl all the Mm. time I think that really resonates with me because I think God, we're going quite deep already, but just, like <laughs> tracing it back to um, school days and like who were we? What was our identity back at school? And who were we as as children? And I think I definitely had this sense of kind of being trying to be a high achiever all the time, mm. and you know having to get the good marks and all that stuff. And maybe that's something that's still informing things that I'm doing today. Is that I have to, you know, keep hitting that, keep hitting that all the time, all the time, and actually. It's so important, isn't it, to to come back to the present moment. And what I have found has been really, really helpful for me over the last couple of weeks. And we will get on to fertility stuff in a minute. (laughs) But in fact, this is all so related. You know, we'll talk about stress and fertility in a minute and what what does that mean and how does it impact it. But in terms of just just sometimes coping with the overwhelm of Mm. day-to-day living for me has been something I've been really working out lately with lots of extra added commitments that I've been taking on Mm. and working out my own system for just finding my way through that and actually I have been taking 10 minutes a day which has really started to transform my experience of my stress at the moment and really helped me to come back into myself Mm. and just 10 minutes and actually I, I was just texting my friend the other day who's in a similar feeling of just feeling completely overwhelmed at the moment with so many things going on for her and I said you know what has helped me in the last few days is just taking these 10 minutes a day and it doesn't have to be meditation it doesn't have to be it just can be whatever works for you but you're not allowed to look at your phone (laughs) you're not allowed to do a job it's for you so whatever it is for you for 10 Mm. minutes and you guard it with your life and those 10 minutes are sacred and actually that's just help me find a little bit of space and and remember about that we don't always have to be hitting those targets all the time because we set so many of them it's like you have to be quiet you have to eat your dinner you have to get good grades you have to have the perfect body meet the right guy buy a house have babies by a particular Mm. arbitrary age or milestone that everybody else has set up for you and it's it's just a load of rubbish it's just not true and it's everybody's experience of life is going to be completely different so why on earth are we measuring against this arbitrary timeline of yeah nonsense absolutely it's such a relief (laughs) it's like I think it's like the biggest relief when you go wait a minute what am I putting this pressure on myself for why do I have to have a baby by this time Mm. why do I have to own a house by this time why do I have to work you know it's I'm just trying to think like for me like why do I have to launch a campaign right now? Like, yeah. why does this have to happen right now? Right why now. do I have to, you know, and it's actually, it's much healthier and much more freeing to just experience whatever you're going through at that point. 
in a really gentle way and mm. um, not putting all that pressure on ourselves but anyway I'm kind of di- diverging off from the off from what I really want to um, talk to you about because yes. you've got some really interesting things to say and obviously you're so you've just changed your Instagram name mm, yes I have talk to me about that so my business is through so many iterations I started as an acupuncturist and a naturopath that's what I trained in initially um, and then when I was you know, doing all my fertility stuff. I was, you know, still under my old name of Hedgehog Healing, it was called, because I loved the kind of, the resonance with the acupuncture needles on the little hedgehog spines. And I found out actually that the hedgehog spines are a symbol of fertility. So I was just like, wow, that's so cool. (laughs) So I kept that for ages. And then the beginning of this year, I really got clear about what I wanted to do. So I really wanted to cut through all the crap and just really focus on helping women get the families that they wanted to do regardless of their age weight race sexuality gender you know everything else aside you know we're all just people wanting to to make our families in the way that we want so that's when I changed my name to fertility freedom which was that kind of global idea that you know we really want to make sure that everybody can get the family that they need whether or not they can afford IVF or whether or not they can go through you know if they if it's two women you know they don't have the sperm you know they should be able to access everything they need to create their family and as at the same time I was working through my own stuff as we always do we're always on a journey to be our best selves of course and for me for me my journey was all about my body my body confidence my weight because I've always had weight issues with my polycystic ovary syndrome which the classic one is this overweight image of women struggling with periods and cycles And that's something that I've been struggling with in the past. And then after I've had my son kind of come to a more accepting place of my body, because, you know, my body had two babies, that's an incredible thing. And also I was so conscious of not wanting to pass on my food issues to my children. I really didn't want them to have any problems around, you know, language around food and these issues that we can only eat certain things at certain times and not really listening to our bodies around what they want and what they need so I was just really focused on trying to be very neutral around food and language around food and just to be have a better place with my own body so that I could mirror you know they could mirror that that they're comfortable in their own skins and they feel confident and happy in their own selves so that's kind of what really propelled me into owning my body and being more confident in my body regardless of what weight it was and really getting rid of that whole I've got to be doing things to lose weight otherwise I'm not an acceptable fat person and I've got to be um, trying to exercise and you know trying to achieve this goal in my head that I had of being this perfect body but actually again it's just an arbitrary thing that we've put our, our society's put on us to reach and so I stopped weighing myself. I promised myself I'd never go on another diet. And then kind of that took me to really embracing that with all this experience of being a fat woman, living a a fat life and all the yo-yo dieting and everything that comes with that, that I was in a perfect place to support these women who weren't necessarily being supported by anyone else. Like their GPs just tell them to lose weight and then come back. And realistically, you know, these women have been dieting their whole lives. They've been trying to lose weight this whole lives and it's not happened now and it's just this limbo position where they don't feel they can ask for support because they feel so ashamed that they can't do this really easy thing we're told it's so simple to lose weight and to stay you know thin and healthy and all these things but actually it's for them 
more difficult. So they feel that they're not worthy of being mothers because they can't reach this goal, this arbitrary BMI that's put in place to get the help, to get the IVF, to get the support. So mm. that really is what spurred me on to change my name to Fat Positive Fertility and to really, <laughs> to really focus on helping this subset of women who nobody else is really supporting. I think what you've done is so important and so necessary because you know I I feel that I don't think anyone else is really saying what you're saying and of course there's going to be so many complex backgrounds Mm. for women and men who find themselves above this BMI that we're told it needs to be above uh, below 30 right is that yeah so most of the in the UK the clinical care commission say it's got to be below 30, even though the NICE recommendations, so the Clinical Excellence Guidelines, which is the one that recommends it, it suggests a BMI, but it doesn't actually state that it's necessary. And there's so much research now that shows BMI doesn't really play an, an impact on the results of IVF. So it's it's just based on this arbitrary figure. And it's, you know, it's, it's biased against these women and there's no reason for it to, you know, there's no health implication from this. So... Mm. It's just really sad that these women aren't being supported. So let's talk about that further because, I mean, I have spoken to doctors for the blog Mm. who do say, look, one of the factors that we have found is BMI. So is it because there is new information coming out which is saying, no, that's not right? Or, Or is it to do with ability to conceive naturally is impacted by weight or BMI. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are so many factors that I think that are playing into this. I mean, there is a whole huge in our our medicine culture. There is a huge fat phobic patriarchal issue going on that we need to address. You know, there is a weight bias against women who go in and see their doctors and men too. Um, so you know, for example, for, if I went to a doctor regardless of whether it's to do with my weight or not regard you know if I had a cold or the flu or something really obscure and not related to my weight I would still be asked to weigh myself I would still be you know it would still be brought up in the appointment that I should be losing weight and you know there really is this issue and it's you know weight is not synonymous with health like they are not the same thing and that's a, v- a massive yes. misconception is it, it then? is so- it's huge because mm-hmm. you can live a really healthy life and still be overweight you know that is not or you can be really thin and still, and you know, be eating chocolate for breakfast and really not looking after yourself. There is no relation. Yes, and I must say, you know, before <laughs> my first fertility experience, because we're sitting here and I have PCOS too, and yeah. I've got the lean PCOS, which actually so different. is so different and actually is quite complicated to sort out. And I've mm. had a couple of nutritionist consultations and it's, it's really hard because obviously the recommendation for women who do have PCOS is to um, look at insulin resistance yeah. and sugar levels and carb uh, watching you know I was told that I needed to be on a low carb high protein diet to Mm. try and level out my hormones and get things into um, balance which uh, if you've got PCOS which is polycystic ovary syndrome by the way if you're listening to this and you you don't know and lots more information I'll I'll put some links in the show notes more about about that but you know it's something that I had to really learn about when I was diagnosed or found I, I, I had a suspicion that that was probably what mm. my problem was a long time ago but people were looking at me and going mm, but you don't look like you've got it yeah, and I was like well, what does right that mean type. I don't understand <clears throat> but when I was then trying to change my lifestyle and my diet because that's not to lose weight but to 
it sort out the hormonal yeah. imbalance. A problem for me was losing too much weight because I yeah. had to be really careful about that. So, and I think I found it really difficult when people would then question me and saying, oh yeah, but be careful because you're looking really skinny. So it's really so interesting, isn't it? The, so much judgment So much judgment. And I was a bit like, fuck off. Like I'm trying to do my best to keep myself really healthy. And mm. just my weight has got nothing to do with this. It's about my health and it's about how I feel and w- whether or not you think I look too skinny or whether or not people think you look too fat it's irrelevant right who cares like it's about what's happening internally and it's about how you are actually approaching your health yeah and there's so many you know these women go away and they go okay well i've got to lose weight so what does that mean that means restrictive eating that means calorie cutting that means restrict um excessive exercise and all those things are really anti-fertile they're like they're putting so much stresses on your body so if you're restricting your calories your body thinks it's in famine so what is it going to do it's going to stop you from losing weight it's going to ramp up your hunger so that you will eat anything because it feels like it's starving and it just does all these things which is so clever you know our bodies are incredible but it's just working to keep you alive to keep you at the same weight and the same with exercise you know if you're exercising excessively your body thinks it's being chased by a tiger every day it's switching all its resources away from reproduction and digestion because they're not the essential things to keep you alive you know it wants to pump the blood to your muscles get your heart racing and really just keep you in that fight or flight mode so it's these are really like anti-fertility things so it's just the wrong thing for these women to be doing but they're doing their best and they're doing everything that they feel that they should be doing to get pregnant and it's everything's just working against them in that way so what so what is your advice then so if someone has been to their gp and they are not going to get ivf funding unless Mm. they come under the bmi of 30 or whatever they've been told by their gp or their fertility clinic and and they need this ivf they want this ivf how what what do you how do you i mean because you're a fertility coach as well as acupuncturist what is your advice to them and how do they how do they cope with that so they really need to, it's the best thing to do is just to work with someone and get that really um, support around their eating because for me it took me a long time to actually even figure out that I had disordered eating. I had a problem with the way that I was consuming food and it was, but it was more than that, it was more around my thoughts around food, my obsession with eating and worrying about what other people thought I was eating and you know all these things around food, it just became my whole world, it was like everything was about what I was eating what I was not going to eat when I was going to eat feeling guilty for what I ate it was just taking over everything and I think if you're in that place where you've been yo-yo dieting your whole life then getting some support with that and learning how to more intuitively eat so giving yourself permission to eat what you want what you need trusting yourself that you're not going to eat five tubs of Ben and Jerry's from the freezer and you know turn into someone who can't leave the house like it's all about trusting ourselves because we've been told time and time again that we can't trust our bodies that we aren't able to control our food or aren't able to we just have created this war with our bodies of your body can't have a baby so therefore there's something wrong with it therefore you're telling it all these awful things that you're thinking about it and it's just this real disconnect between you and your body but actually you need to be working together to really nourish it and support it and just be the kindest you possibly can to it in every way, you know, with the food you eat, with the way you move, with how much sleep you're getting, with 
every aspect, the thoughts you're thinking, the beliefs you hold about your body, it all needs to be nourishing. Yeah, and I think that, oh, it's such, you make so many good points here, Nicola, (laughs) because it's so much more complex than just simply saying, go and lose some weight, you know? It's like this profound experience trying to get pregnant, and if weight is a factor, whether you need to put it on or lose it, Mm. it's much more, it's like a multi-layered problem, you know? It's not so and looking at it holistically, like you are suggesting, mm. um, I actually think is the only way to do it. Because otherwise, if you don't look at things holistically and, and take into consideration everything that you're yes. doing, then you're only you're only going to fix or kind of do a fake fix where you're not going to have a sustainable change in you might lose some weight in the short term if Mm. you do the yo-yo dieting fine but then what happens in six months time when you fall off the wagon and this is yeah it's like 95 percent of diets fail like we know that diets fail yet we still keep coming back to them and you know there is so much behind that with you know this dieting culture and everything that holds but you know so many people put the weight back on and it's just it's, it's not sustainable. It's like just a plaster trying to fix a gaping wound. It's It just doesn't make any sense. And it it just makes me so cross because we can do so much more. And you're right, you know, these things aren't separate. Our reproductive organs aren't separate from our digestion, aren't separate from our brain. You know, they are all linked. They all work insanely complex ways together. It's not just this diagram you see of your, like, your womb and your ovaries and... They're inside, next to your liver and next to your stomach, and everything's working together. And it's almost like we separate out and forget that everything is impacting everything else, including our brains yes. and our minds and our. Like, so let's talk about language because I think you know I speak a lot about language and terminology with the "think what not to say" yes. campaign, so um, important. which is. And, and I knew you wrote a brilliant blog about have you tried losing weight and the language around weight and food how can we change that what can we say to somebody who we think oh maybe they should lose some weight Mm. because I've heard that would work what what should people actually be saying how can they support somebody in a much better way I think it's more about is taking the focus off the weight completely because we are so focused on the weight that's if you're doing anything health wise generally it's like the weight it's putting the weight off putting the weight on you know, that is the the health goal, as it were. And there are so many other things that you can do. If you love goals and you want to work towards goals, there are so many other things that you can focus on rather than weight. You know, you can focus on eating more veggies, drinking more water, getting enough sleep, you know, all these tiny little things that you can do every day. And they can build up over time. They have an incredible impact on your health, your well-being, your energy, your mood. You know, all these things are so closely connected. And, you know, if you're feeling crap in yourself on a day-to-day basis, doing these things every day is just another way of looking after yourself and really making sure that you're taking really good care of yourself and putting yourself first, which is so important. And I think, actually, I feel like I've just had a bit of realisation there. <laughs> <where> I... <laughs> it's very similar, actually, to going, you know, when we first started trying to get pregnant and the goal was mm. that I must get pregnant, yes. I want to get pregnant, I must get pregnant... And the longer it didn't happen and the more failed cycles and then failed treatment that we had, the more actually I came into this completely new experience where I was like, okay, this isn't happening. So the parallel with the idea of having to lose weight Mm. and having to get pregnant is is that actually you need to just be here now. And that's what it comes back to all the time is like, 
let's not think about losing this weight, losing this weight, losing this weight. Let's yeah. think about how can I live my best, most healthful life Ooh, right now? And it's about health and it's about how can I be happy right now if I'm not pregnant? How can I be happy right now if I haven't lost the weight? Yes. It comes back to that, doesn't it? Because that goal of getting pregnant, it's not like you can be halfway there. There's no, like, you can't work slowly up to it and, you know, I'm 20% pregnant, 30%. You know, it doesn't work like that. And you don't know how long it's going to take, you know, whether it's going to be a month, whether it's going to be three years. So having that as a goal can be so awful for your motivation because you're just like, well, it's not there, you know, and I don't know how close I am. So maybe, you know, I'm just going to feel shit for the next few months. And having other goals that you can really focus on, that you can really work towards, it boosts your motivation, it makes you feel better. And it's it's for you, looking after yourself, no matter what happens in the future, you need to look after you because this is the only body you're going to get. This is the only life you're going to get, as far as we know. So... <laughs> that was a line from my talk. <laughs> that is literally a line from the talk. <laughs> hilarious this is the only life i'm gonna have as far as i know but we've got to make the most of what we've got and all we've got is now so Mm -hmm. it's bad and i suppose it's kind of you know this this podcast is about life about building your life Mm. ttc life raft and it's about finding ways to access that feeling of being in the now because you hear it so much oh you just be present be present be here now blah 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 what does it actually mean and how do we actually do it and i for me know that the way that I do it and the way that I have to make sure that it's always something that I'm I'm kind of working on is to have something that I do every day and that works for me and that I'm always aware that that is actually my goal Mm. yeah (laughs) never mind never mind you know work achievements or losing weight or getting Mm. pregnant or whatever that is my goal is being present yes um and that just suddenly takes the pressure off doesn't it you don't have to achieve this like insurmountable thing you don't have to climb the mountain you just have to take the step right Mm -hmm. um so your work now encompasses Mm. this really exciting new name it's really fat positive fertility and I think that there must be so many people out there going, thank God someone's giving us a voice. <laughs> because nobody's talking about it. Nobody's... No. And you know what? Even I was a bit like, okay, what does this mean though? Because, mm. you know, I'm a bit like, but I've re- all I've read is that you have to lose weight yeah. in order for, you know, that's, that's, what, that's what we're told, isn't it? So yeah. what you're doing is so important because you're actually challenging a massive kind of status quo, which yes. is out there. And it is, it's, it is about challenging it, you know, I mean, there is, there is evidence to show that there is a causation, but that, like a, it goes up, you know, as the weight goes up, the problems go up, but actually there isn't um, a mechanism to show that the weight is causing the issue. And I think that's the really important thing because, you know, these women, most, I'm speaking from my own personal experience as a fat woman here, but I've yo-yo dieted my whole life. I was on a low fat diet before I was in my teens, you know, I... That makes me so just feel so I know, sad. That even just you saying that, awful. like the idea. Oh, you know, I, and I'm I'm a mum now, mm. and the thought of my daughter, even before she's a teenager, having to like that literally makes me want to cry. It's it's awful, and it's it's so sad. But what impact did that have on my hormones and my you know fertility? I knew I had PCOS at sixteen. You know, I had irregular cycles from when I started my cycles at thirteen. You know, what impact? 
did that low-fat diet have on those hormones? You know, what impact did the yo-yo dieting that I put myself through in my 20s have on my hormones? And this isn't just me. Like, every, nearly every woman I speak to, whether they're fat or thin, has been through an experience of, like, feeling like they have to restrict their calories, do excessive exercise, doing all these things to stay in their perfect body or find a perfect body or, you know, be in this diet culture. And that... That history and that process that our bodies have been through can't be reflected in those kind of studies. You know, like the damage that the diet culture has done to our hormones, to our fertility, I don't think can be reflected and hasn't really been researched, I don't think. And I really think, I really believe that that has caused so many issues for us right now because Mm. hormones are made of fats. Hormones are made of these components that we've demonized and taken away from our diets and it's just you know we've replaced it with all these like synthetic chemical hormone no hormones chemicals we're just messing with the food cycle and it's no wonder that we're having all these problems now right yeah yeah absolutely and i think you know there's a really important part of this which is education isn't there and i know Mm. that there is a brilliant fertility education initiative which is going on at the moment with some wonderful people um which I, uh, I'll put a link to that as well in the show notes. But I think that this actually needs to be a yeah. part of that, talking about weight and talking about fat and, and actually, you know, owning that word as well. I think yes. people are scared of saying Terrified. fat. <laughs> it took me a long time to call myself a fat woman, you know, like even just owning that. Because what is fat? You know, it's it's literally just cells around my middle. It's like having brown hair. It's It's not this horrible thing about me it's just a descriptor of my body and it's just so bizarre that now when you say someone's fat it's an insult it's it means that they're lazy or they're um, greedy or they're lesser of a human being and they're less worthy of treating with respect or getting treatment or help or support with any medical thing never mind you know fertility it's just it's everywhere it's rampant yeah and and I, i you know i feel like you and I really hope this doesn't sound patronizing (laughs) but I feel like it's very brave to actually stand up and go this is what I'm talking about yeah you know you're doing it in such a powerful but also very gentle way and and actually just standing up but really firmly going no this is not Mm. how we talk about people actually I think there's this kind of it's quite angry isn't it there's quite a lot of vitriol towards people who carry more weight and who are fat you know, there's this horrible, horrible um, energy around that. It really is. And it's really sad because, you know, I've already had some trolling, not lots, but I've had a few comments of people commenting on my, on my ability to be a mother based on my size, saying that, you know, oh, well, it's a good job you got pregnant because you'd never be able to adopt because they wouldn't let people let you adopt. You know, really vicious stuff. And oh my God, my mouth is falling <laughs> open. I'm, I'm really, like, horrified it's, that you've had that. I mean, it's, it's awful, but really it's a reflection of them, not me. You know, and I'm I can so see glad. that now. I'm so glad that you can see that. And I'm so... But that's why it's taken me so long to get here because before that, you know, that would have broken me you know comments like that are terrified of you know I have had a few healthcare professionals and people in this similar industry you know saying sending me messages in a really polite and helpful way but saying you know you can't really talk about this stuff because the evidence shows that fat women who have babies it's a serious risk for their children I mean I can understand their concern maybe and if that's what they believe then my actions are obviously 
seem crazy and like you know why would why would she be promoting obesity and in mothers like it doesn't make any sense but I don't believe that and my children are evidence of that you know like my children are really happy really healthy there's no there's no nothing wrong with their energy or mood or you know anything to do with their health and it's you know I think we really need to reassess our priorities in our society and in our culture and how we treat people and you know really look at ourselves and make sure that we're being the people that we want to see in the world because Otherwise, it's just going to be filled with these awful trolling, and it's oh horrible. God, but I'm so glad they're saying it to me and not to someone who is who is trying to have a baby because that would it would just break you. And mm. these women are, you know, we all know that the incidences of depression and anxiety is so high amongst mm. women who are trying to get pregnant, and because they don't have that support or because they feel like they're being victimised or it's just you know we should be supporting each other, rallying around each other, helping each other, raising each other up. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And actually, I think that, you know, we speak about the um, the TTC, the Trying to Conceive community, mm. a lot on Instagram and on other online spaces. And it, it, it's such a warm and supportive environment, um, which is quite rare in this. Yes. You know, isn't it? Like, I, I, have, I don't see many, hardly any comments, actually, which are not helpful having said that I know I mean of course and of what you've just said with the trolling mm. that you've had um which is really serious but in general I feel like people have found a space to be open and and that raising yeah. each other up thing is such a game changer and so um so wonderful that you know that there is somewhere for people to come and go to now which is accessible and easy for people when they're having a really rubbish day yes. to go right, let's go to my TTC Instagram account who can help me out yeah. today. And they can be anonymous. It's not like Facebook where you have to be you and you're worried about what other people are going to see and say. And I know, because even with Facebook, I'm a bit like, ooh, but can people see if I've joined this private secret group? I don't yeah, know. it's all a bit like, ooh. <laughs> but yeah, Instagram's incredible for that. Yeah. I, yeah let's talk about a bit, bit more about language again. How do you feel about the terminology that's used if you, uh, you know, within fertility clinics or within... A GP yes. surgery and weight. I mean, it's it's often so judgmental. Like even the term weight loss, it's like it makes you feel like you've lost it. Like are we going to find it again? It's that real. It's a really weird use of language. And then it's it's the same with fertility. You know, we really use these strange, archaic terms that don't really mean anything oh, anymore. God, yeah. That really kind of put shame or guilt onto the woman or the man and it really doesn't have to be that with food like even as we were spoke, speaking before you said like oh you know I've not been really good lately but it's that yes, it's good you're and so bad. right you're so right we we put it on ourselves in every every thing you know it's like oh when we have a treat if we have a chocolate bar it's a treat or it's oh you know this is my special I'm going to be good later it's mm. we put so much judgment and so much of kind of almost who we are and who we believe ourselves to be based on these external factors. You know, food is food. Mm. I believe that no matter what you eat, it doesn't affect who you are as a person. And it's the same with your fertility journey. No matter what, you know, you're doing the best you can with what you've got. Mm. You're doing the very best with all the tools that you have, all the support you've got. You do the best you can with what you've got. And until you know better, you can't do better. So 
it's really hard to get out of that feeling guilty of, well, if I only had known about that sooner, then maybe that would have helped. But we are, again, where we are now, mm. and we can only do what we can. This good, bad thing that we mm. have with food, and I was oh really struggled with that when I was really changing my diet for nutrition yes. reasons, you know, in the first time we were trying to get pregnant, and I was so careful when mm. I had been when I had learned about the impact of what I was eating on my hormones and yes. in turn what that meant for getting pregnant I was like right well I can't have this I can't have that I mustn't have this and I was really I was pretty militant about it yeah but there were lots of benefits to that in a way because um, nutritionally I was actually doing things really mm. healthily. I did put enormous pressure on myself and yes. if I had something which was not on my PCOS yes. <laughs> diet then I would I would kind of feel really worried about mm. that and I would picture you know I would have in my head I would be like oh Maybe, I don't know whether this is something that happens if you have always struggled with weight problems in terms of fat, but for me with this, every time I would have something that wasn't on that diet, I would I would picture my sugar levels going crazy. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, like I would picture like something not working and then my little egg not being able to be released mm. or, and I wouldn't be able to ovulate because I had this chocolate bar or I had a piece of cake or something. So it was a very like strong visual link for me um, That's really interesting. When, when I first went through all of that. And now I'm in a much more relaxed place where mm. I see nutrition as something really vital for my well-being and my yes. mental health and as a way of feeling calm and in control um, mm. because I actually really love eating well and I really love healthy food, but I also love cake. <laughs> Life's too short, right? Like, <laughs> and it gives you a really important mental yeah. well-being sense sometimes. You know, sharing a cup of coffee and a cake with a friend can feel so nurturing and so supportive. Exactly. And I think that nurture word is really important. Mm. Nurture, nourish, nutrition, it's that. It's that yes. healthy, important aspect of actually being on this journey mm. and understanding that that relationship between you and your food needs to be in a really in a positive, positive yeah. way so and I love that you put fat and positive next to each other <laughs> I love that but it's true I mean like with the food stuff like I think it's all about just being informed like if you know what that chocolate bar is going to do to your body like if you know that okay for me if I have lots of cho- lots of chocolate or lots of sugar then it sends my digestion really fast like I just need to jump to the toilet straight away and I know that about the chocolate but when I know that about the chocolate, or I know the impact that that food is going to have on my body. I can make an informed decision about whether I eat it or not. I know it's going to how it's going to make me feel in my head, and I know it's going to what impact it's going to have on my body. And I can weigh up whether, in that moment, do I need that comfort from the chocolate more, and then I know that it's going to like go crazy on the toilet, or you know, actually maybe I can find that in another way. Maybe I can get the same benefit from doing something different, like snuggling up under a blanket and putting some candles on and watching something good on the telly, like. Once you're aware of the benefit you're getting from the food and the, you know, the con of it, the negative of it, you can begin to just really decide, actually, do I want to eat that or maybe I want to do something else? Mm-hmm. And either way, it's fine. Like, yeah. it doesn't yeah. mean anything about you. Mm-hmm. It just, it's it just, just how you want to do it. It just means that you are approaching food mindfully. Yeah, right? completely. So you're actually deciding and you're feeling empowered about your decisions about what to eat. And it's that's conscious. Conscious eating. Yeah. yeah. It's making a decision. And it's the same when you're 
you know, we're so often we like eat in front of the telly or eat in front of our laptops at work or have our phone on watching Instagram stories or whatever. And we're not present with our food. So we're not really enjoying that food. And we don't notice when we're full. So we just keep eating and eating and eating. We're so used to being the good girls, so we finish our plates. <laughs> but actually, you know, it doesn't matter. You just you just need to eat until you feel full. And it's okay to leave food on your plate. It's okay to enjoy it and just be present with your family and all your friends and actually just really enjoy the yeah, food. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's incredibly sad to me that so many people out there don't have a healthy relationship with their food and they yes. can't enjoy sitting down with that. You know, it's one of the greatest pleasures of my life, mm. sitting down with friends or family and enjoying food together. That yes. is something which I find it very, very moving that people have problems with that, really yeah. huge problems with that, you know, and it's something which does, has to change. We can't have people not feel able to sit down and enjoy a meal with their friends and, it's, and family. Yeah, it's so common. You know, anybody who's got an issue with food, regardless of their size, you know, people with anorexia and bulimia, they come in all shapes and sizes. You do not need to be skeletal thin to be suffering from an eating disorder. And recognising that and really supporting people with that is the only way that that can be helped. You know, it's a, a mental mm. illness and it needs supporting. And we, all, I think... I think it's a scale. I think that there are extremes on one end, but there is also a, a scale to that. And so many of us, I think, are on that scale of disordered eating where we aren't free to make decisions around our food based on our own bodies. I think that's a really important point, that it's, it's such an impactful part mm. of our lives and so many people are affected by it and it doesn't matter whether you're thin, yeah, fat, whatever, it doesn't matter. And it's that judgment that we need to get rid of, isn't yeah. it? You know, I mean, I've I've had comments about. I think people really thought I had an eating disorder at one point, <laughs> like with all of the uh, nutrition changes that yes. I made. And I was, it just, you know, I, I, I mean, I know I said this earlier, but I really found that really insulting because mm. I was like, look, I'm an intelligent person making informed and empowered decisions. And yes, I'm changing how I'm eating. But that is coming from a place of research and advice yeah. and it's actually nothing to do with you whether or not I'm choosing to eat carbs right now or whether I'm, you know, changing changing yeah. what I'm deciding to put into myself. And, you know, anything that we ingest, whether it's food or whatever it is, has to be from a place of information. Mm. And a place of love. Like, yeah. creating meals for your family and, you know, having someone lovingly prepare you a meal tastes a million times better than you know, a fast food from McDonald's, it's, you know, it's what you're putting into it, it's the intention you have around it, you know, are you giving yourself this food from a loving place, are you feeding your mind with loving thoughts, or are you just, you know, filling it with crap, it's, it's everywhere, you know, we have so much information around us now, telly, social media, everything, we're just constantly bombarded with data, so we need to be really careful about our beliefs, because we kind of filter that data through those beliefs. So whatever you believe, you're going to find the evidence around you to support that, especially because there's so much evidence and data out there now. So really choosing those beliefs carefully and being aware, even aware of them is a great start. I think what's really important to make clear is that you're not sitting here, we're not promoting a life of mindlessly eating whatever because it doesn't matter. Mm. You're promoting a conscious approach to food and weight and a holistic way of approaching your fertility that's it i mean it's it really isn't about the weight like the weight just doesn't matter it's about nourishing your body 
you're, you know, at the end of the day, you're making the environment that you want your baby to live in. It's first home. You don't want that to be filled with crap. You want that to be nourished and loving. And the same when you decorate a nursery, you want it to be a special place. And that's the way that you should treat your body is this beautiful, special place that you're creating for your baby. So for this episode's Life Raft tool, mm. I really would love for you to tell me about your habit tracker because you put something on Instagram yes. a while ago and I just thought, this is brilliant. This is such a great Life Raft tool for people to use. So talk to me about your habit tracker. So habit tracking is like my favourite thing ever. Like I love it and it's kind of this thing that's kind of been evolving over time. So it's you can use it in its simplest form, which is basically a list of daily habits. Start with two or three and all you have to do is do a little cross by every day, every time you do that habit. And you make this a priority. You make this the most important thing in your day. You know, these things are really important. And the best way to do it is to make them really small. So really simple things that even if you haven't done them by the end of the day, they take five minutes each. So you can do it if it's like 10 o'clock at night and you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired, I want to go to bed. So the things that I have are, I always love to do the, the meditation or just that 10 minutes of connecting and checking in with your body you make these however you want to use them i use um hydration so drinking enough water but even if that's just like one cup of water you've got to meet yourself where you're at so it's all about just like really gradually building things up to your place where you want to get them including veggies moving your body you know all these really important things that you know that you should be doing every day find ways to make them things you really want to do every day and just ticking them off every day is so satisfying. It's like, and then you get a little run and you're like, oh my gosh, look at this, it's so exciting. And it's a great way of keeping yourself motivated to stick with those little steps every day because those big little steps really add up to big changes over in your life. I love that. And you've got a visual we can... Yeah, so I've got a little template that I'm happy to share with anybody Amazing. who wants to get an idea. But yeah, this has been evolving for me recently because my PCOS has always been wacko. Even when I was um, having my babies, like it still was all out. But recently I've been being more consistent with my movement from a place of just being really kind to myself and being positive about my intention with exercise rather than as a punishment. And as a result of that, I've had regular cycles for three or four months now, which is incredible <laughs> and so unusual for me. But as a result of that, I've been way more conscious of what my cycle is doing. And I've noticed that in different parts of my cycle, I want to do different things and different habits. So as you get into this, you might notice that, okay, maybe sometimes when you're bleeding or when you're feeling, you know, like you're premenstrual, there's only a couple of habits that you really want to do. But more when you're feeling like in your pre-ovulation phase and when you're around ovulation, you might feel like there's more things you want to do. So it's about not being rigid with this, but really using it as a way to support your health rather than another stick to beat yourself up with. It needs to fit, you know, if you do it on your phone, there's great tools and things you can use, like apps and stuff that can do this for you. If you love pen and paper, there's this um, incredible community of bullet journaling. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I have heard of bullet journaling. You can journaling. make it be as beautiful and creative as you want. It's just like, that. it's just what you want to do with it. So if, and anyone, if anyone hasn't heard of bullet journaling, it's just Google it. I actually haven't done it myself. I love it. Um, because I'm such a kind of linear person with my writing. I kind of just like to just free write. And I've spoken about this on here before. But I do love the idea of bullet journaling. Mm. And I, actually, I might give it a give it a whirl. Why not? I mean, why not? We need a pen and paper. <laughs> I love it. Like, all this stuff. There's so many things out there that you can actually do to support yourself and to help yourself feel more in control and more excited and less kind of bogged down by whatever mm. circumstance you're in. And loads of people and things that you can try. 
um, which actually really, really do start to help you feel like you're back on track. Yeah, and a million times better in yourself, which is so important. So important. Nicola, thank you so much. Thank you for having me in thank your beautiful home. Thank you for home. coming. Thank <laughs> you very, very much. And I'll put lots of links and things in the show notes for all the things that we've spoken about. So thank you. Bye. How amazing is Nicola? She has this energy which is just so calming. I just I just love her. If you don't know Nicola already, she is Fat Positive Fertility on Instagram and her website will be, all, all the links will be in the show notes. So go and check her out. What she's doing is so important and I think even if you don't identify as a fat person, then I think this conversation is so necessary and I'm really grateful to Nicola for educating me and opening my eyes so I hope that it's done the same for you. It is not as simple as just go and lose some weight. This podcast is going to be going out on Thursday of Fertility Week and I will be going to the pineapple ball. I shall go to the ball um, (laughs) at the Science Museum uh, which is all an initiative from the IVF Babel team who are totally brilliant i'll be sharing a lot more about that on instagram and facebook so do go and have a look uh, i'm there at this is alice rose and please do get in touch with me day or night just let me know how you are let me know how you are finding this podcast do go and rate and review it please do go and do that because the more it has the better chance other people will have of finding it as well and and I really hope that people can listen to conversations like mine with Nicola today and feel that they are empowered and that they know more about it so thank you so much again for being here and take care Mm -hmm.